Hello, listeners, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I will be your host for today's episode. On this week's episode, I am live on location in San Antonio, Texas, with Andy, Wes, and a few good friends. The reason we're in San Antonio is because we attended the annual Evangelical Theological Society Conference. ETS is a professional academic society of biblical and theological scholars, pastors, and students. They serve Jesus Christ and his church by fostering conservative biblical scholarship. They seek to accomplish this goal through the annual meetings, regional meetings, and publications such as their journal. I know that sounded intense, and it was. And so on this week's episode, you're going to hear about our experience. What does it mean to throw yourself in the fire of theological discourse? Before we get to the episode, just a brief reminder and a thank you. The Reach Canada Giving Campaign is in full swing, and we are so close to meeting our halfway goal. So thank you so much to all of you who have already donated. And to those of you who have not yet, there is still an opportunity. This will run to the end of the year. And we simply ask that you would consider partnering with us in this venture. Lastly, coming up at the end of the month, the ACLE is back. On November 26th, we're talking TikTok and the gospel. So join Wes and Steve on November 26th for a conversation online via Zoom where they will look at select TikTok videos, weigh their claims, and use them as a springboard for a time of discussion and Q&R about the Bible and early Christianity. So once again, Sunday, November 26th, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 7 to 9 Eastern Standard Time. We hope to see you there. Now, let's get into this podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I am here with a table full of friends in the Lone Star State, Texas, land of the free and open carry. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to the show. Thanks for that Texas accent, Troy. It is good to be with you here in San Antonio, Texas for ETS. For those of you who are unfamiliar with that acronym, it stands for the Evangelical Theological Society in which you also have the Evangelical Philosophical Society, and you also have SBL, AAR, and many other acronyms, and basically all around religious studies. But there's a group of us here in ETS, and if you've been following the podcast for a while, you know that we've been doing this for quite some time. I think this is like my 12th year. Uh, Troy, this is your second year? Yes, number two, but I kind of consider it my first, because the first time around, I was sick, My foot was busted, and I was hallucinating on uh, legal medication. Well, you had a fever, to be fair. You had quite a nasty fever. And so we just left you at home, and we uh, enjoyed ourselves. Now, what about you, Wes? This is your second time? This is my second time. But I've been a member of ETS for, I think, five years. I've just never come. And that's not true. I've attended local meetings in Toronto, but not the, the international annual meeting. Well, this is something that we have made a point of just participating in. Steve and I have been coming for years. Steve is not here this year. He has missed. Steve, we love you. Uh, but he uh, he left us this year for PhD studies. And so we replaced you. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, we have three of our adjunct speakers with us uh, at ETS. We opened up our uh, our Airbnb and said, hey, if anybody wants to join us, you can. And a bunch of people said, absolutely. So we should welcome... Welcome, you guys here. Glad that you're a part of the podcast. Glad that you're able to join us for ETS. But why don't we go around and introduce yourself by name and just give maybe a little bit of background of 
how you know us and what you do. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Brian Pugh and I am founder of the union movement alongside my wife, Bonnie, and we uh, lead an organization called the union and we help people find wholeness and sexuality, identity and relationships with a gospel centered and holistic approach. So um, we're super pumped to be here at ATS, my first time ever. And uh, within our first year being an adjunct speaker with uh, Apologetics Canada. So it's an honor to be here. One of us. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, my name is Kiri Erb. Um, I'm the one with the British accent, so I'll stand out somewhat. Um, my husband and I run a leadership and discipleship program called Soul Edge Ministries, which we've been doing for quite a long time now, about 15, 16 years. Um, I'm the director of teaching and training for that. Um, I recently uh, finished my master's in systematic and philosophical theology, which I'm so happy to be at the other side of. Um, so really enjoying being here at ETS and yeah, do a little bit of speaking for Apologetics Canada on occasion. My name is Melanie Bierda, and I connected with the AC crew about three years ago, I think. And so I'm an adjunct speaker with them, and I'm in the process of launching my very own ministry called Rekindled Faith Ministries. Well, I would say, like, you've already been doing ministry. Yeah. Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> she's, yeah. She, uh, she's excited about me saying that. So, uh, you know, you've all done different different stuff with us. Uh you know, Kiri, you as well, you were at our uh, leadership summit. So were you, Melanie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. And at the conference. And one of the things that we do is we, ha- we currently have around 22 adjunct speakers that work with us at Apologetics Canada. That may be something that you're unfamiliar with. But as we do ministry in places like British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, we need lots and lots of help. And so we have a great group of people that help us out. And this is kind of an important part of what we do. We really say there's three things that we're constantly after when it comes to Christian thought leaders. We want to identify them, we want to equip them, and we want to network them. And so in many ways, ETS and making this available to be able to hang out together, uh, you know, we've been making dinner together and we've been attending these sessions and having great conversation. You know, this is a, an important part of equipping and networking. So what we want to do in this podcast is we want to talk about some of the things that we've learned, and even some of the networking that's already taken place uh, over these last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, ETS is a really great opportunity. Alongside the sessions and the things, you know, listening to the academic papers and stuff, just to brush shoulders with people and see people in real life who you might have interacted with. For a lot of people I've interacted with for years online, you meet them at ETS. Or, or you've just read their books. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You can awkwardly go up to them and say, hi, thank you for writing your book, sir. And then <laughs> shake their hand and then run away. That's hypothetical. That never happened to It me. happened. It happened. It, it happened. happened. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool for that, to just meet with people you otherwise wouldn't get the chance to. Well, let's go around with, with you newbies. This is your first time at ETS. Why don't you share with us, you know, as we get as we get into things, just what was your experience thus far? You know, what what were you thinking coming into ETS, and you know, what's been your experience? Yeah, so I had no clue what I was coming into with ETS. Um, I've never heard of ETS, and I definitely have learned a lot through this process of just being here over the last couple of days. Quite honestly, I feel like a kid in a candy shop. I am totally getting excited about all of the topics that I've been able to just sit in and soak up all of the knowledge and the wisdom of the people that have prepared the papers and everything. So it's been quite exciting for me. And 
my weakness is the bookstore because it is huge and I did not bring a big enough suitcase. Yeah, so my first time as well here, um, really enjoying it. Um, it's really nice for a change not to feel like you're sticking out like a sore thumb somewhere with mm. like some of the things you're like kind of thinking about and speaking about. And if anything, it's inspiring to go further and deeper, right? So that's really encouraging. Um, I definitely texted my husband today and was like, would love to start the PhD and also would need a bigger book budget. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge another time. Yeah. You know, there is something to be said, Kiri, about being in a place with a bunch of like-minded people. Because I think we've all had those moments where you have a conversation on something you're passionate about and you realize, okay, I can only talk about this for like so long until I've exhausted mm. all of their patience in listening to right. me. Or people are glazing over and you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> me. me, I'm the one glazing over. It's me. But, but you have these beautiful moments where you're like, man, they're, they're not glazing over. They love this just as much, if not more than me. But I do have to say something before we go to Brian and, and your, 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 uh, your thoughts. Uh, today I laughed so hard because uh, Troy, Troy found himself into this crazy deep philosophical discussion in philosophy of mind. Oh, was it a discussion? I wasn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, as you've been hearing about ETS, it's a bunch of different sessions about. I mean, and the theme this year was theological anthropology. There you go. You yeah, got the right word. You used the right word. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, also, for those who don't know, we're playing this fun game of hot potato with the microphone. So if, <laughs> it's, it's been really interesting. But anyways, um, so I decided that I had gone to two different sessions that I was kind of used to already. And, you know, it, it, it kind of seemed like things were being repeated. And so for my last session of the day, I was like, I want to try something that's that I'm not used to. And so a bunch of people were going into this final session on on dualism. That's right. Deal uh, with J.P. Moreland. With, with J.P. Moreland. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of people going over there. I'm just going to go check it out. And I don't really care if I don't understand what's going on, but I just want to see what all the fuss is about. Because clearly, a lot of people are interested. Five minutes in, maybe I'm being generous. Three minutes, no, about a minute in, I kind of knew that I was way in over my head. I, I was sitting I was sitting next to Melanie, and Melanie and I both kind of just, we went in, and we're like, okay, yeah. We put our stuff down, sat down, watching everyone pile in. We're like, oh, wow. We got some of the last seats at the back. And immediately, JP starts talking. And I just sat up straight. I was like, oh, boy. I, uh, I don't understand a word he's saying. And it was just over the course of probably the next hour, was just getting pelted with like a fire hose worth of knowledge that was not hitting, was not landing whatsoever. And I, I remember there's a point where I got so lost that I'm pretty sure like my brain went on standby, like a MacBook when you leave it for too long, it just went on standby and I didn't know what's going on. In, in your defense, Troy, as someone who enjoys those kinds of conversations, I generally stay out of the philosophy because it's almost an entirely different language. So there's acronyms and there's usage of usages of phrases and terminology that unless you have some sort of prerequisite in philosophy, you're you're not tracking because they're using short forms and they're using analogies and, and well, stuff like it, that. Well, it was funny because when I, I was more towards the front, 
And I looked around to see who was in, and I looked back, and I saw that moment, you know, where the computer's (laughs) shutting down. And I see Troy back there. I'm like, oh, man, he's getting the the philosophical fire hose right now. Yeah, I was getting pelted. And But you know what, though? Last year, that's how I felt when I went with Wes to a couple of his his sessions. And I was was like, I have no idea what they're talking (laughs) about right now. So I get you, you know, and it's, it's like what Wes said. I mean, it's true that in different disciplines, you got to know the language and sometimes you can feel stupid and it's not that, that you're stupid. Or no, I'm like not that. stupid. You, you just don't know the language, right? <laughs> it's for, it's with all of us. It's yeah, one of those moments yeah. where you go, okay, I got to pick up this language. But what, what about you, Brian? Yeah, well, I'm kind of new to this, this realm and this kind of tribe. And, and it was really refreshing, actually. I think coming into it, I was maybe thinking that this is just going to be a, like a big debate forum on all these different areas. But it was actually really refreshing. Two of the ways that it was refreshing was the avenue of spiritual formation that was kind of woven through. It wasn't just about like bigger theological things. It's, it was also about like just being at the feet of Jesus, being conformed to the image of Christ. And that was an emphasis in some of the sessions I was in. Um, and I was also just really inspired in seeing some of the speakers, how they interacted with each other, because Wes and I were in a session that was way above my pay grade. But the gentleman who was speaking was, was actually critiquing some work that was done by a gentleman in the room, which is just like, I was just going, man, you got to have such humility to just hold your work that you've, you know, worked so hard over and it's being critiqued in front of a room of your peers. And then this gentleman stood up and then they both kind of talked through a little bit of the ideas and concepts uh, after the presentation, but it was just done with respect and honor. And I just go like, I want to be like that. Like the more that I walk with the Lord and the more that I learn, I don't want it to become this like really prideful thing. I want to be walking in humility and and just really Christ-like character that way. So I think that was really refreshing. You, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that the books that we purchase that are on these various theological uh, topics often get presented first at ETS and will often be a part of a panel discussion like you're talking about there, Brian, where the, the author or authors will have their work critiqued. And in fact, that's what was happening today with the, the session you came into, Troy, with J.P. Moreland. You know, you're, you're talking about one of the top philosophy of mind guys that out there. And there were two people that were part of that panel critiquing uh, him and another guy. And, and I thought it, it is a really interesting thing to watch, you know, where you submit yourself in humility to have that critique. And then you need to have the maturity to be able to, you know, learn from that. Which I think I think is a healthy it's a healthy practice. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it was it was, again, like I say, the the other sessions I was in were really insightful, and I and much of it was because it, it was a language I spoke. It was it was very practical to what I'm interested in, and there were some components that I'll get into after I, after I let Wes share, but that just really sparked an interest that's been there, but I didn't realize was so tangible to what I care about. But I think it was also important for me to immerse myself in a room that is completely outside of my field of interest because it just it reminds you, I think, of the diversity of study in the body that is just super important. And we can't discredit just because we're not a professional in it. But Wes, why don't you share what you were interested in? Yeah, I didn't stretch myself in the least. So I'm probably the one uh, on the outside of all of you guys who are doing the uh, the more, I don't know. 
heavy lifting humble thing. I just bounced back and forth between the New Testament textual criticism, canon and apocryphal material talks, and the biblical archaeology talks, which are squarely in my area. But I had fun. I will say the only well, the only reason I had any sort of grasp of what was kind of being talked about in that one session was because you gave me like a little intro as we were walking to the session. So kudos to you, man. Yeah, in the biblical archaeology talk, Brian, yeah, Brian tagged day. along. Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. It was good, yeah. So I want to ask you a question. What do you think about, you know, going to these sorts of academic conferences? Because I find, you know, in in Christianity, it can often be more of like a pep rally when you go to a conference, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. we're gonna, it's going to be praise, worship, we're going to li- take you to the mountaintop and send you home sort of thing. Whereas... Whereas this is like more of, here's a shovel and you can start digging deep in your faith and you're going to have moments where you're going to, you're going to struggle. And that, that's something that I just, I want to ask you about, because I think about it like a mental bench press. You know, you can, if you want, you can work out where you never experience your max. But when it, so when it comes to your mind though, a lot of people aren't used to that. And it can actually be a little scary to where you're doing, where you're going at something mentally and you're like, okay, this is, this is. This is above me. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to work to be able to eventually lift this. Yeah, you know, to be able to read this or understand this kind of argument. Melanie, why don't you go ahead? Because I've I've really been enjoying watching you take in ETS. Yeah, like I said, it's just been an honor to be here. And quite honestly, I spent a lot of my life just thinking about really deep issues and uh, wanting to dialogue with somebody and have those questions kind of th- thrown around and everything like that but I don't really have a lot of people in my life that are willing to go into the depths that I am constantly swimming around in. So being here for the last couple of days and just being able to stir up conversation with other thinkers and uh, be a part of the sessions and just being able to dig in and tap into that has just been like, like I said, like I'm a kid in a candy store, like this is my jam. And I just, I love being here. And, um, you know, I've also noticed that like some of the things that I've been thinking about, I feel like coming here and listening to the speakers share, I feel validated in some of my thought processes. Mm. And like, I don't come with a background of being educated in theology or apologetics. Like I'm, I'm a stay at home mom that is teaching herself the way and trying to find people to kind of lead me as well. So yeah, it's just been like mind blowing and totally like my spirit is so full and I'm ready to go back home and start getting the work done. Why don't you share real quick, too, about because you've been wanting to write a book and you had a pretty cool moment in regards to the whole conversation of publishing and what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. So I've been working on my book for about two years now, and it's been a little bit back and forth and everything. But I had an opportunity to speak with a publisher and kind of go over what my thought process is for the book, what my heart is in it. And I got really positive feedback and I was able to make a couple connections actually with a couple different publishers. And just so it's great to like have a face to a publisher and actually get the, the input of like what it's going to look like to go with a traditional pu- publisher. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I mean, that contact card is gold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kiri, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, it's been so fun, right, to um, to see theology really, I think, as an act of worship, like seeing that people have poured their lives yeah. into this, like for their pursuit of Jesus. And so um, as people are bringing stuff like to the table in a very like vulnerable and open way, it's been fascinating to, um, yeah, see that 
act of worship on display. And I think what's really stood out for me is that there's been various different levels of vulnerability in sharing. Like, I think some people have brought like, you know, fully cooked ideas where they've been like crystallizing stuff for a mm -hmm. long time. And they're like, here's my research. Um, then there's been like some panel discussions like, like we were chatting about earlier, whereby, you know, this is a topic that probably won't be ever really resolved, but here's some different perspectives. But then you also have like some, you know, PhD candidates who I think have like such incredible bravery to be like in the room and like sharing that work, knowing full well, right, that they have supervisors, et cetera, in the room who will pick them up on stuff and potentially experts like in the field, right? Now I gotta, now I gotta ask and I and mm. I would like for you to, to kind of share with us because I think I asked you briefly while we were there, if, would you ever present a paper at ETS? Ooh, that's a great question. Okay, as an act of worship, <laughs> um, then yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing for sure. Like, um, I think it'd be fun to submit a paper. Who knows if they'd, you know, want to go in that direction or not, but it'd be fun to, especially the topic of my like master's dissertation, like I'd- Which is? The topic of my dissertation was the distinctive charismatic content of like the Christian message and how that's important and significant to bring to the table and has real purchase on the topic of trauma and recovery from trauma. Okay, okay. And so I was really using even some really beautiful contemporary work on the idea of rhythm as a theological category and talking about essentially how Jesus can resurrect kind of our human hearts um, after experiencing trauma. Um, so yeah, in a ways it would have fit with the topic of this year a little better, this uh, theological anthropology thing, but I guess we'll see what's going on next year. Mm -hmm. Cool. One of the things that you see that you don't see necessarily in other areas of education is where the teacher will be the one writing and the one presenting. So like, for example, when you're in high school or whatever, you, you are the one that has to put papers forward that are being critiqued. But when you go higher up, you know, your advisors are writing papers. So like, you know, today, J.P. Moreland had a 13-page paper that was submitted that peers and students now read and can critique. And, and that, that, that's an interesting, you know, experience because often what happens is it's like the teacher is the one who does all the critiquing and is never the one critiqued. And that was new for me. And I think having that understanding has actually really helped me to use a very Christian word, receive, while I'm here, because, and I, and I think I've touched it briefly on the podcast before, the biblical academia, I wanted nothing to do with it because it felt like that, where it's just a bunch of know-it-alls who think they know everything, but there was no application, at least in my eyes. But then to see these people who are, for lack of a better term, the, the best of the best in their field submit, oh, you have to submit a paper where we all get to sit and listen, where we all get to, because if I wanted to, if I knew what I, like, what I was talking, what he was talking about, I could have offered critique to what he was saying. And to me, that's, that's phenomenal and, and kind of wild because no one in there knows who I am, but for all they knew, I was another scholar in the room and they would never know unless I opened my mouth. So having that opportunity is cool. So. Well, and this is something I was talking to someone about today who also does Christian apologetics. And I was saying that part of what's been really humbling for me personally, being in kind of the world of both one foot in apologetics and one foot in academia, is when we do talks and when we're on stages, we're being consulted as the expert. And we're being the ones asked the questions, whether people believe we're the experts or not is another issue, but we're the ones being, being uh, consulted on those topics. And so... It can be 
it would be easy to go to someone's head in that regard, but then I step into my PhD work and I am talking to my committee or I'm submitting something to my advisor and I'm just getting, you know, I, then I feel like I know nothing. So it has actually been very humbling and helpful to not have my head grow too large. One of the other things that I like about ETS is that, you know, what you're bringing up there, Wes, we're in apologetics, we're often being asked different questions and they're looking, looking at us, you know, as, as experts in certain, you know, areas that at least that we feel comfortable in that we've done quite a bit of study. And sometimes we're, you know, answering questions that are outside our, you know, direct area of, of expertise. But one of the things I love about ETS is I'll get asked questions that I'm like, well, I'm not sure. Cause I want to know like, Hey, I read this book. What does that author mean by that? Or what are they thinking? And often in ETS, that's when I'll take a lot of those questions that I've collected over the year. And then I'll go and, and approach as I did today, even, uh, with, uh, with JP or with, uh, William Lane Craig or others and be like, Hey, people are asking me this, uh, what, how would you, how would you respond to that so that I can represent your view correctly? You know, when people are asking me, this is interesting by the way, because the apostle Paul does the same thing. And he talks about it in, in the beginning of the book of Galatians, where he's like, I want to make sure that I've got the gospel correct. And so he goes to Jerusalem to meet with the disciples and, and he's like, I want to meet with like those that were with Jesus sort of thing and be like, Hey, do I got this gospel thing? Correct. Cause I'm going to go back out and I'm going to go preach it again. And something similar in that regard, you know, kind of happens where we're able to refine what we're talking about, make sure that we're representing people's views correctly and be able to give, you know, the best answers that we can as people are asking us different questions on issues. Yeah. Or even the Bereans, when Paul comes to them and he's telling them about Jesus and what did the Bereans do? Well, they go and they consult the scriptures to make sure what he's saying holds water. And and not to say what I was saying before is that, you know, I'm not saying there's a problem within apologetics of people getting their head too large or, or being um, uh, like a problem with humility. But I, I, all that to say, I, I think there could be that problem. I don't even necessarily see that problem, but arrogance in anything when you're being considered the expert in any particular situation is always something we need to guard whether we are susceptible to it or not or whether the people in and around us are actually being arrogant or not i think one of the things uh, my wife and i have always tried to encourage each other in is to be lifelong learners and i think as an as an outsider coming into ets for the first time i think that's the culture that i saw because you know, like we have really well-known people like William Lane Craig and, and others who are sitting in on talks and receiving and thinking and being challenged and asking questions. And I go, um, I go like, that's, that's something I want to model in my life. And I think that, um, that even that speaking to that aspect of community is just so important within, mm-hmm. um, academia and just even just within the larger body of Christ, you know, it's so important to be in community be talking about different things, things you're thinking about what the Lord's doing in your life. And, and just really where, where the Lord's leading you in your own study. Well, speaking of that, why don't we share just a little bit about it? Was there any area that you, you know, learned over these last couple of days where God's really doing, you know, speaking to you or you've picked up some knowledge you're, that you're thankful for? Well, I'll, I'll touch on two things real quick. Um, it, it's, it's very interesting that you said that, Brian, because, I mean, one of the podcasts we did just a couple of weeks ago was called Good Ground, Good Fruit, and it was all about the art of being a good student, like what it, what it takes to be a good student. And it really is that is something like ETS. You, there kind of is a spiritual preparation 
we have to come in with that is like till the soil to be prepared to receive things that we might not have heard that might challenge the way we've looked at things to this point. And, and that's only going to help. And so I think for each of us in some capacity, there's been something that has been sparked a little bit. And I know for myself, when I went to school, when I was in university, I went and did social sciences, but I loved things like cultural anthropology. I really loved adult and child development. Those are my favorite courses, which led me to going into youth working and working with families and that kind of thing. But this time at ETS, I didn't realize how much psychology has really started to like be sparked in me. Um, we got to go to one session. Melanie and I went to a session. Oh, I think you were there as well. Brian was there as well called the Eden Project. And one of the things they work on is help people get through psychological barriers that have caused them to have a tough time seeing God in the right light, to be have to have a relationship with God versus it just being purely intellectual. And that's something that now I'm really excited about. I'm going to head to the bookstore tomorrow and I want to get some books from Christian psychologists. And I don't necessarily know what field or what component of psychology, but that's one thing for me that's definitely been woken up. And I, I don't know what it's going to do, but it's exciting. Yeah, I've jumped in and out of a ton of different sessions. It's been really encouraging to see the really the breadth and the depth of what's kind of been on offer at ETS. Um, I think one of the ones really early on that um, was just fascinating to sit into, um, I joined with Andy at the uh, Christianity and the Natural Sciences. Um, so that was a, one of those panel discussions. Um, and so... Specifically mm, on the historical Adam. That's right. Yeah. So um, that was really fascinating. I missed, unfortunately, the first couple of uh, presenters, but then got to hear like some of the respondents and that sort of thing. And actually, um, one of the very last respondents I just felt just did a fantastic job like he wasn't presenting anything himself but just wrapped things up I think just um, in an excellent way cutting through the fog um, so I was really impressed um, by that guy and um, in a way it just inspired me to be like oh let's yeah Kiri, be a person of clarity, right? To be able to mm. cut through that fog for other people where there's so much depth, right? And confusion around like different topics to kind of do what that guy was doing. That's good. That's cool. Yeah, I think what was really solidified for me over the last couple of days is my love for leadership and knowing how to lead with integrity. And also like I, I know there is like leaders that have not led well and how deeply that can affect people in a Christian culture or mm -hmm. in like church hurt and deconstruction, how people can just be so deeply impacted by that. And like my heart is for people that are, well, Christians that are burnt out in the aspect of either they're just coming into the Christian faith, but kind of feel like they've been left at the door and they just want to leave or the Christian that's always identified as a Christian, but never really had that flame. So a lot of the sessions that I went to kind of move towards that in just like the deconstruction aspect of it and how to lead well and how we can honor Christian leaders that have had a complicated past. But like, even as Troy said, I was like, I think my favorite session by, by far was the one with the Eden project. Mm -hmm. And just like, because psychology and, and theology are something that, that I get really excited about too. And just like, how does the human mind work and how does trauma affect us? And yeah. how do we act and respond in situations based on what may or may not have happened in our childhood and where we may feel like God or people have fallen short for us. And so 
I'm, yeah, like I said, like, I'm just so excited to go back home. Like, I don't want to leave yet because I'm having way too much right, fun. Right, right, right. But when I go back home, now I have, like, a groundwork to really start working from because I've recognized those little parts within my own heart and soul where I'm like, yes, God, let's go there. One thing that's, you know, is just put some, like, just to put a story to that, I, I do a thing at Northview called Questioning Christianity, and Melanie is uh, one of our table leaders there. And so we, in, we interact a lot with people who uh, are either new to the faith or have left the faith, you know, various stories. And I, I know this year we had this one lady who, just given her past and given her relationship with her father, has been a barrier for her to have a relationship with God because God being... Her heavenly father is just not, is just, it's like a, it's a barrier for her because all she can think about is the negative experience she had with her earthly father. So, I mean, those are just tangible ways to the, where you got to help people work through, through that trauma so that they can actually encounter God correctly. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point that sometimes when we haven't even just be, been still to allow the spirit of God to work through some things. We can get degrees and letters after our name and, and still not really see God clearly, even though mm. we're checking all the boxes and doctrines and papers and stuff like that. Um, and I think that was what really stood out to me when I was sitting in on a session around like what genuine biblical meditation is. And, and I asked the, the presenter just like, what's something practical? Like what's been a hindrance for you you know, as somebody who's, you know, professor and in academia, what's been the hindrance within that biblical meditation of just really being still and, and allowing the word, um, you know, to kind of wash over your heart and to let it minister to you. And he said, just forgetting, um, I want to get this right, but forgetting that, like, you're reading the scriptures in the presence of Jesus and to be aware of the presence of God and not just to be like the black and white ink on paper, but like that you are reading this really in the presence of of our Lord, you know, and, um, I think that just really encouraged me to, um, as I heard somebody say, like it took them 20 years to wipe the face of their father off the face of God. And I think the, that deeper work, um, that takes place in our heart is, is, um, is done in the quiet place and the secret place, the hidden place is just being with the Lord and, uh, creating margin for that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think, cause I walked away from faith as a teenager and a lot of that was, I didn't want to try, right? Because I didn't know how to go through the process of really finding a connection with God. And so I would have made the excuse that it was because of hypocritical Christians that I walked away. But the reality is that I just didn't know what to do. And I felt like I was just not measuring up to whatever standard that God had for me. And so I chose to walk away from God, essentially based on the fact that I just didn't want to show up in it. I didn't want to do the work for it. And I, I know, like, I came back at 21, and, um, you know, it's been 13 years now, and it's like, God just keeps giving me a little bit more, a little bit more, and now I have, like, this hunger and this deep thirst for the knowledge of God and for the, the scriptures and to better understand his love and his character, and now he's making it so that I want to go and share that with other people, which, at the beginning of my faith journey, like, when I came back, it was more so about how I felt about reading happy scriptures and pinpointing the cherry-picking ones, you know, like, how I could feel better about myself. But now it's like, no, we're on a mission here. We're on a mission to help other people get to know who God is and why he cares so deeply for them. So Melanie's getting unleashed. <laughs> and, and this is where the big difference between ETS, EPS would have a dividing line between the conference that follows it up. 
SBL, Society of Biblical Literature, and AAR, the American Academy of Religion, are, I mean, SBL, you do have a number of conservative Christians or Bible-believing Christians who would both go to ETS and SBL or just go to SBL. But I think part of my academic journey is realizing kind of what both of you, Melanie and uh, Brian, were saying in that the pursuit of knowing the Bible can be an intellectual endeavor and only that. Like my academic supervisor for my PhD is a non-believer, and he doesn't see the 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 word of god in the way that i would he sees it as a historical document an important document arguably the most important document in ter- terms of building the west and the most one of the most influential pieces of collections of literature in ancient antiquity but there's a complete disassociation and you see that in the sense that there he knows there's nothing i can communicate to him that he doesn't know about scripture and he knows in a quite intimidating way, far more than I do about the text of scripture. And so in one sense, there's nothing I can tell him that's new, but there's still like the light's not on. There's some still something missing. It, Wes, it reminds me of a conversation I had doing when I was doing my PhD and I would be a part of different academic conversations, some with Christians, but often was with, with non-Christians of various stripes. But I remember, you know... It, you would often, I would kind of have this kind of radar where I'd be trying to figure out whether or not they were Christian, not Christian, or, you know, where they were, where their worldview was. But I had this one moment where I thought, okay, surely I'm talking to a Christian because this guy was a C.S. Lewis expert. And he had spent his entire academic career teaching the works of C.S. Lewis. And so I was like, oh, so you're a Christian. And he looked at me with like this baffled look and he's like, well, what on earth would give you that idea? And I'm like, um, okay. I go, so do you, uh, do you believe in God? And again, he was just utterly like confused. I start to talk with him more. I, I was asking, you know, he's like, well, why would you ask me if I believe in God? I go, well, don't you study C.S. Lewis? And he's like, yeah, but what does C.S. Lewis have to do about God or about Christianity? And I was like, are we reading the same, like Clive Staples Lewis, right? And it, I know it might, it might sound baffling to some people that somebody could study Lewis their whole life and actually miss what Lewis is all about. But is that not the case with so many scholars that read the Bible and they'll know the Greek, they know the stories or whatever, and can parse it out in a million different ways and even understand that it's had a, an incredible historical impact, but they don't know Jesus. Well, and this is where you really see that uh, faith is a gift. Like it's something that's imparted upon an individual to turn that switch in that there's something different. There's something where the words on the page come alive and speak to you in a different way than they would when you're reading the New Testament, if you're reading another ancient document, if you're you're reading Suetonius, if you're reading Tastus, Pliny. Those are other ancient documents which maybe are valuable. Maybe even, you know, Marcus Aurelius has some good proverbs that could impact your life. But Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God. And so that makes a big difference. But I think one thing that's really stood out to me in my academic career is that that aspect of understanding who God is and what the scripture is really saying is not something that just comes naturally from study. The faith is not an intellectual pursuit and ascent, although we should all (laughs) pursue to understand what we believe and why we believe it. You know, our friend Tim Barnett, who works with Stand to Reason, has this great line where he says, in order to understand the mind of God, you have to start using your own. 
And that's true, but that's not, there's a, there's a gulf that takes you from the leap from one side to the other and really understanding, okay, Jesus is not just a historical character. He's the Messiah. He's the eternal Logos who became flesh and made his dwelling among us, predicted his own death and resurrection and did it. Thank you guys so much for joining in this conversation. I'm, I'm sure we could we could just keep going and we probably will. Just we won't record it because it'd be a very, very long podcast. But this has been such a, a really cool time. And I, and I just wanted to close with a, a scripture. Just I think what we've really been getting down to is it is it really is by the power of the Holy Spirit that head meets the heart. And that's just been something God's been impressed on me for a long time that and I speak as someone, like I said, who had wrestled with intellectualism in, in the faith. And I've watched the Lord change my heart and shift my heart towards not only the people, but I was actually afraid of deeper study because I thought it would take it take me away from a relational experience with God. And so I just wanted to finish with Colossians 1, 9 to 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. This time at ETS has just really been that. And I pray that for anyone who is looking to study further, that all of it is to grow in relationship with the Father. It's not just to write a book. It's not just to sound smarter. It's not just to draw people onto yourself. It, it is so that we can have a deeper rooted faith so that your light can shine all the brighter, that I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ is King. So thank you, first, obviously, you guys for joining us on the podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the AC Podcast. We are a ministry, so feel free to like and subscribe. And if you would ever like to donate or partner with us in any capacity you can send us an email at info at apologeticscanada.com to donate you can head to apologeticscanada.com slash donate we are in the midst of our reach canada giving campaign so if if this has been on your heart please prayerfully consider partnering with us but as always tune in next week when we find more things to think about and as always love god love people bye for now